Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. And the, seri- the second part of this series, I'm entitling The Secret Place. Say The Secret Place. Say The Secret Place. Now, in The Secret Place, there's a couple of things that have branches in there. And the following weeks, bring a friend next week because I'm going to do a special service on Resurrection Sunday on the power of the cross and the victory of the cross. You want to bring people that don't know the Lord that day to next week. But the week after that, I'm going to continue on the secret place of instruments of change because there's several things that happen in the secret place. So let's go before the Lord. Father, I thank you for the instruments of change that you've given every person in this room. And I thank you that they would not just hear it, but they would apply it in their lives. And I thank you for what you're doing and what you're saying. And I ask you to open up our hearts and minds in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 6. Now, I'm going to go to two back-to-back scriptures. And uh, Zach already has them ready. I'm going to go to to Matthew 6, 5 through 6, and then I go right into Psalm 91, verse 1, because I have to do something with what I'm saying. So this is the second instrument of change, that if you do this, hear me now, if you do this as part of your life, you will have victory in every area of your life. Amen. You will have victory if you adopt this as a discipline in your life. Because freedom requires responsibility on your part. Now, look at what Matthew 6, Jesus said in verse 5 and 6. He said, when you pray. He didn't, notice he didn't say if you pray. He said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corner of the streets. That Here's the key. that they, There's nothing wrong with praying in the streets. There's nothing wrong with praying in the synagogue. The problem is that they wanted to be seen by men. They wanted to be recognized by their long prayers so that people could realize, look how spiritual you are. Jesus said, don't be like them that their hypocrites are trying to bring attention to themselves. Watch what he says. He said, surely I said to you, they have their reward. But you, watch this, this is RCC. But you, this is his people, when you pray, oh, I love this, go into your room and when you shut your door, pray to your father. Listen to this very carefully who is in the secret place, pray to your father, where is he at? Who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, hold that thought. Now turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 verse 1. Look at what it says. He who visits... Oh, no, it doesn't say that, does it? Let me read that again. He who occasionally drops by in the secret. No, wait, let me read that again. He who dwells in the secret place. Say secret place. Of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So here you have Jesus speaking a principle to us in order for us to be what I call super spiritual heroes for God, not because we're, uh, we're anything special, but because he's given us a supernatural instrument that he wants us to adopt, and very few Christians practice it. They know about it, but we have limited prayer to something boring and tasking or a model, and it's not. It's a weapon of warfare. 
Look at me. Prayer is the most powerful instrument you could ever possess as a Christian. Ever. If, listen, if you were to do a study, if you were to do a study on people that, you, that they would say, what is your weakest area of discipline in your walk with God? Of discipline. I'm not talking about temptation or sin. What is the weakest area of discipline? You will have the majority of them say, my personal, private prayer life. You will say that. And many of you are nodding your head here. Why? Because though we love God, we're so busy that we re- don't realize that we've left prayer out on the side for a couple of special people. When I was younger, I used to think prayer was so boring. When I was first got saved, I remember I thought prayer was for the grandmas with the prayer shawls in the prayer meeting. I'm like, I'm not going to go to that. You know, and so we, we kept thinking, but watch this. If I were the devil, if I were your enemy, I would, listen to me, I would devalue in your mind what I would know to be the most powerful weapon against me. If I were the enemy, I would devalue in your mind what I would know to be the most powerful weapon you have against me. And that is the weapon of prayer, especially in the secret place. Why? Because prayer is the instrument that moves the hand of God on your behalf quicker than anything else. And the problem, sorry, and the the privilege that we have, that it's through your words. A lot of people say, I don't know how to pray. I go, do you know how to talk? They go, yeah. Then I say, you know how to pray. Because prayer is talking and communicating with God. When you pray, it's not about, come over here, uh, Lord, that I may queeth thee upon thyself, the scriptures, so that the, it's none of that. It's talking to God like I am talking to you. And here's the thing. Jesus said, go to the secret place. Now, why do I say secret place? Because the secret place is not only where you meet God. The secret place is where God is. He said, my father who is in the secret place will meet you there. And, the, and listen, what you practice in private in prayer, God will reward you openly. Hallelujah. It's going to be up on the screen. It's the secret place that God dwells, and it's in the secret place that we develop our greatest weapon, and that's our prayer life. I want you to write that down. It's in the secret place that God dwells, and it's in the secret place that we develop our greatest weapon, our prayer life. Now, what is the secret place? Is that like some covert CIA, FBI place? When I say secret place, now this is going to be very practical, but very good for you. When Jesus says secret place. And when I say secret place, what he's talking about is a place that is undisturbed with anybody else and it's a place where you and God meet alone and and you connect with God without distraction. The secret place has everything to do with you being alone with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit where there is no other person there and there is no other distraction and there's no other reality vying for your attention. The secret place cannot be the secret place if you're, if you're praying to God and you're, uh, and you're uh, uh, answering emails at the same time. I know I'm going to get some emails for that. It's okay. Your secret place can't be the place that you're talking to God and doing the christian stuff and eating and, and cooking and, and having steak and having all. Your secret place can't be while your TV is on. Hello? Is anybody okay? Don't stone me yet. Your secret place can't be where 
there are so many things. Your cell phone is going off, your email is going off, and you're praying, and all these things. That's not your secret place. Your secret place has to be a place where you are by yourself with God, and you're connecting with the God of the universe. That you have to understand when people tell me, what are some of the things you've done in your life that has kept you from going astray? I said, the word of God was my best friend. And the second thing I would say is I had to develop my private prayer life and communion with God. Because if I don't, I will never, ever have the oil of intimacy that keeps me going for Jesus. You have to understand that if you have, you can't go from here to Kissimmee on on not just an empty tank, but with no oil. Intimacy with God through prayer is the oil and the flame for you to continue with your walk with Jesus. It is the secret place that you get that oil. And listen, and it's in the secret place that Jesus found his power for ministry. Are you ready for this? It's in his secret place of discipline that you and I need to go to. You know why it's quiet in here? Because some of us have no idea that this is something that God wants us to do every single day. And here's the thing. Mark chapter 1 tells us that Jesus started casting out demons, doing all the ministry stuff. But then afterwards, it actually tells us why he had such power. Why he had such such authority in his words. People say, well, he had that because he's the son of God. No, he was the son of God, but he was also fully man while he walked on this earth. And he was dependent on the Holy Spirit like me and you are dependent on the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can say amen. Now watch what Mark chapter 1 verse 32 32 says. At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon possessed. Keep going. And and the whole city was gathered at the door. Okay, so there's a bunch of people that needed deliverance, okay. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. Keep going. And cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, how many know that this is power? How many know that this is authority? All right? So the Bible says that evening, think about the whole city of Apaca. It says the whole city. Imagine the whole city of Apaca bringing all the healed, the sick people and all the demon-possessed people and Jesus healing all of them. You're like, man, that is power. Say power. Look at the secret to his power. Watch this. Keep going. Verse 35. Oh, I love this. If you don't get excited, I'm going to go there and slap you and get excited. No, just joking. <laughs> joking. Now in the morning, oh, look at this, look at this. Having risen a long time before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he did conferences. He went to a solitary place, and there he did Christian church events. He went to a solitary place and had some good fellowship activities with his ministry. All that is good. He said he went to a solitary place where no one was there, and there he prayed. Now, why do I say that? Because just a couple of verses before, you see him casting out demons. You see him healing the sick, the whole entire city. But the secret to his power to all that was because daily he had a discipline. Before the sun would rise, Jesus, the Son of God, would come and commune with the Father for hours. Because that was the secret to his power. The secret to his power was in a solitary place where there's no emails, there's no phone coming off, there's no, there's no refrigerator being tempted to you to go and open and get and be distracted. You have to develop a prayer life in your secret place because if you don't, then you, you will not be 
successful in your walk with God. Because, my friends, there's no greater instrument in your Christian life than the instrument of your private prayer life. And that, I say it lovingly, is one of the weakest realities in Christendom today, in Christianity. If you, as a matter of fact, there's a, there's a statistic out there that happened many years ago. And the statistic says this, the average Christian prays intentionally, quietly, without no distractions, 5 to 15 minutes a week. A week. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like, oh, Lord, I thank you for, you know, thank you for blessing me today. And what, what's going on? Yeah, I'm eating at the court. Yeah. I'm not talking about that because we always have all those things. I'm talking about setting a time apart where there's no distraction that you meet with God, whether it's on your knees, whether it's standing up, whether it's having a worship CD on there, but there's no distraction. Statistics say that five minutes to 15 minutes a day is the average, sorry, a week is the average time that Christians spend uninterrupted with God. Then we wonder why our nation is the way it is. Can I, can I preach for a little bit? If we spend more time praying than we do complaining about our nation, our, cha- our nation will be changed. Because we spend a lot of time complaining about what's happening in our nation, who's in charge of the nation. And we have all these things that we're saying about our nation. But if we, if we prayed as much as we complain, our nation will have revival. Because the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and... And what? Pray and seek my face then, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear their prayers. I will forgive their sins. Watch this. And I will heal their land. It didn't say if my people who are called by my name have good church services. I'm glad for good church services. But that's not what he said. He didn't say if my people who are called by my name, they have really good media and social media outlets to make sure people know about your church then I'll change your land because they know about me. No, they said, if my people humble themselves and pray, that word if is a conditional word. It's not unconditional. That means he won't do it unless we partner with him. You know why? Because I used to say to the Lord, Lord, just do it. Why can't you just do it? Why can't you just do that? Because I have a partnership that I've placed with humanity that if they invite me, I will come because there's, there's power in your words and prayer. It's too quiet in here in RCC. The private prayer life even will stop you from temptation. Last week we talked about hide your word in my heart that I may not sin. Do you know that the, the Bible says in Matthew 18, I believe so. It's not in, in um, what I told you, Zach. But if, if you could put, uh, I think it's Matthew, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 36. Here's what Jesus says. Look at this. He's in his greatest time of need. Jesus is his greatest moment of hour. He's about to get crucified, and he knows that the torture that he's about to get through. Imagine what you're thinking about when you're about to get tortured on the cross, and, and whips are going to get you, and, and blood's going to come out, and all your, all your body is going to be exposed to these lashings and nails through your wrist. Imagine what's going on in your mind. You probably say, I want to get out of here. I want to do something crazy. In the garden, look what Jesus said in verse 36. Jesus came to them in a place called Gethsemane, and he, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And when he took Peter and the two sons of, and John, sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful, deeply distressed, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Stay here and watch. Watch is another phrase for pray. And watch with me. 
And he went a little further on his face and praying, Oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your wills be done. Look at this. Watch this. Watch how prayer, a prayer life, I'm going to say something really uh, powerful. Are you ready? An active, vibrant prayer life could stop you from the propensity of temptation. I'm going to go this side because you're looking at me like I have some weird stuff. An active, vibrant, personal prayer life could actually stop you and prevent you from doing crazy temptations. Look at what the Bible says. Then he came in verse 40 to the disciples and found them sleeping. Oh, I could preach an hour about that one. The disciples, his followers, were sleeping. I, mean, I, I wonder how many Christians are spiritually sleeping today that don't have a revelation of the power of prayer in their lives. And they're constantly going through all these heartache after heartache and your silence. And God's just saying, open up your mouth and I'm going to come. He said they were sleeping. Watch this. And he said, what? Could you not watch or pray with me for one hour? Look at this. Watch and and what? Come on, say it to me loud. Watch and what? Lest you enter into what? There it is. If you don't pray, you're going to have a propensity to open doors to temptation. You will not have the strength to overcome lust and anger in and, and, and a forceful way if you don't have a prayer life, my friends. If you don't have a prayer life, you can love God with all your heart, but you are going to miss it in the victory time with God. Because God's desire for you is for us to have victory, not to fall short all the time. I'm not saying we're gonna, not going to mess up, but what I am saying is you're going to be filled with the gasoline of heaven. And that's it. that is the prayer life that I'm saying. Now, I want you to put this on the screen. It's going to be up there. There's key essentials from the prayer life of Jesus. I'm going to give you two key essentials from Jesus' prayer life. How many want to see that today? Two essentials from his private prayer life that's going to be so simple, guys, but it's such a revelation, all right? It's, it's so important. There's, there's many, but I'm going to harp on two key essentials of Jesus' private life. Now, I want to pause and say this. If your private prayer life is active and you're meeting with God and you're being filled with his presence and you're like, this feels so good. I'm connecting with the God of the universe. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a love for corporate prayer. Uh, let me just, let me just, uh, I'm going to preach a little bit, okay, Sean, because they're not listening. If you find it to be a struggle and pulling teeth and people have to drag you out of your house to come to a prayer meeting, what that is telling me a little bit is that you're not enjoying your private time with God as much in the secret place. Because your private secret place, the fuel and the power that you get through prayer and communicating with God will make you want to join other brothers and sisters in corporate prayer time to pray for God to invade the earth. But we've made prayer boring. We've made prayer rigorous. we made prayer like, oh, I don't want to do it. Do you realize that is the plan of the enemy? So here is the essential that made Jesus powerful in prayer. Number one, it's going to be there on the screen, is Jesus had a time to pray. Say a time. Jesus had a time to pray. Nothing separated Jesus from his personal time in prayer. Now, I need you to get this. This is practical, but many Christians are not doing. I said nothing, say nothing, separated Jesus from his designated time of prayer. I'm going to say something to you. We, you and I, have a daily meaning in the calendar of heaven 
to meet with the king of glory, and we miss that calendar appointment every single day, most of us. The most important meeting that you could ever have to start your day is not a good business meeting that's even going to fund the kingdom of God. It's not even going to be a good ministry engagement that's going to expose Jesus to the world. The best and most important meeting that you will ever have every day of your life is your meeting calendar with Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Every single morning, give the Lord a praise clap for that. You will never be successful if you don't have a time to pray. Jesus, watch this now, watch, look, look at me. Jesus was not too busy to pray. Jesus was not too successful to pray. Jesus was not too busy casting out demons to pray. Jesus was not too busy working miracles to pray. You would think if anybody had an excuse not to pray, it was Jesus because he's praying for everybody. He goes, no, I can't do this without prayer life because you have to understand he had a time for prayer. And the time of prayer was intentional. He, and, and, Jesus, and, and for Jesus, that time was early in the morning every single day before the crowds would go up and he would sp- spend time alone with the Father And then he could come before any ruler and any king because he just spent time with the Ancient of Days. He just spent time with the King of Glory. So in the morning before all the trials hit, listen, I'm not saying there's a a, a specific time that you have to pray or else God's not going to hear you. I'm not saying that. But the most effective time is before you face the trials, you get filled your tank up. Because it, let's be honest, when you come back from work and you're hungry and you're tired and you say, Lord, I promise I'll do it tomorrow. Or if you do, you give him your leftovers. We give God our leftovers. And listen to this. This is the key. He wasn't too busy to pray. He wasn't too busy casting out pr- prayer. Listen, I find that when a Christian's life is sporadic in their time of prayer, that they're not consistent in their prayer life. If, if it's just like, you know what, I'll get around to it, but I'll pray. I'll, one day I'll pray 3 p.m. when I get a chance to it. And then the other day I'll just pray before I go to work. And then the other day I'll just do it. I'll do it after the softball game. If you don't have a specific time, you will miss. A lot of times people, uh, people um, diss or, or frown upon routine. Now, there is a lot of routine that's really ugly and really boring. But the routine of prayer is necessary. And he had a time. Say a time. Say so he had a time. He was, and in his time, he had a time for prayer because he knew, watch this, Jesus knew that he had to make spiritual, oh, this is so good, he had to make spiritual deposits into the spiritual prayer bank in order to write spiritual checks of healing, deliverance, and power to the people. The problem with Christians is that we're trying to write spiritual checks of deliverance and power and authority without making deposits in our prayer bank. We are, we are trying to write spiritual checks of power, of deliverance, of healing, of victory without any making any deposits on our spiritual bank account of prayer. You and I cannot be effective as Christians if all we do is show up on Sunday morning and praise God for two hours. You don't want to commit spiritual death or spiritual starvation? Stop talking to God. I used to tell my kids all the time, I said, you know what? What would happen to you if you would not eat for a whole month? They're like, I'll die, Dad. I'll get real sick. And some people say, I'll get sick. I said, no, you, you'll probably die. 
if you don't eat any water, and if you don't drink, drink any water, if you don't have any food for a month, what's happened, to you, what's happened to your body? You're going to die. Spiritually, if you don't have a prayer life, I'm trying to provoke you this morning. If you don't have a prayer life, you're going to shrivel up spiritually. But here is the good news. There's exhilaration and joy in his presence. The Bible says in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. And how do you get in his presence? In his secret place. In the secret place, do whatever it takes for you, whatever, whether it's a, a, a YouTube, whether it's a CD, whether it's an old worship hymn, whatever it does to get you into the presence of God, I challenge every one of you today, have a set time in the morning where you seek God. You see what happens. You know what, what happens in the secret place? Not only do you get victory, but you get instructions from the Lord. The voice of God becomes clearer. You will have direction in your business. You will have direction in your job. You will have direction in, in, in your life because you've spent time alone. I can't tell you how many times when I'm just all over the place, I get frustrated. But when I find that, that spot that I'm consistent in, all of a sudden I'm just have no, I'm not thinking about anything, and I'm praying to God, and I'm worshiping God, and all of a sudden this thought comes into my head or this strategy comes into my head. And I said, this is from God. How else can you have the voice of God if you don't spend time with him? Oh, that's so good. Let me tell you something. If someone calls me right now and says, hey, what's up, bro, and doesn't say their name, the reason why I know their name is because I know their voice. And the reason why I know their voice is because I spend a lot of time with them. You know, how do you spell love in the kingdom? T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love in the kingdom. If you love something, you will spend time with them. How many have kids? Raise your hand. Do you think it's a struggle to spend time with your kids? No, don't answer that out loud. <laughs> no, they may get on your nerves. They may get some things. But you absolutely, you don't, go, you, don't, you don't go like, oh, my God. No, you like delight to spend time with them. When they're sleeping, you look at them. Why? Because you love them. And if you love God, you'll spend time with him. If you love Jesus, you will spend time with him, and that is what I want to ask you this morning. Here's a question I have for you. Do you, RCC, have a personal time consistent that you meet with the Lord? Don't answer me out loud. But do you have a time that you meet with the Lord? Because Jesus had a time. If Jesus, the Son of God, had a time to pray early in the morning, don't you think us humans need a time? Amen? Don't you think that? Okay, so th this, is, this is a time. Before I go to the next one, I remember a story that I read, uh, that I heard about years ago about a, a very famous man of God. I won't say their name. He was in prayer. He, and he, he's, uh, he's one of the generals of the faith when it comes to prayer and, and fasting. And he was spending time with God like he does every single week. Sorry, every single day. And there was, from what I heard, there was uh, somebody very famous and popular that came and visited him unannounced. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sometimes I do that. I'll be like, Lord, I just thank you, Jesus. And I know that there's like an important phone call coming. I'm like, inside God, I'm like, hold on, Jesus. I'm gonna, I'll be right back. And I get that. And we don't do it on purpose, but we're like, this is, this is God. He's actually doing that for me right now. Well, this guy, he was in prayer in his prayer time with God. And this famous guy said, hey, so-and-so wants to meet you outside right now because he has a plane to catch. He came in an house, but he really has something important to tell you. He was a very famous person, and he had a lot of money. And this person said, I can't interrupt this time. 
I can't do it. Yeah, but he's, he's here. All you need is five minutes with him. He goes, I cannot leave this time because this is the most important meeting of my day is my meeting with Jesus. And he lovingly told his assistant to tell him he can't meet with you right now. You know, when I heard that story, I got convicted. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I know that doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me. <laughs> I got convicted because I said, you know what? How many of us would have said, wow, this guy wants to see me? Maybe he's going to bless the ministry. Maybe he, and maybe he was. Maybe, maybe he's going to give a donation to the building. And I, and I missed out, and I missed out. But he says, I'm not going to interrupt my meeting with Jesus because this is the most important meeting of the day. I want to talk to you young people who are busy. You young adults and young people, I'm, ta- I'm challenging you. Before you go to school, before you go to college, before you go to your high school, before you go anywhere, spend time in his word and in prayer, and you will see that your witness will become stronger. When's the last time any of you witnessed to somebody? Because maybe we're so busy with other things that we have little of God inside of us. Our love is still strong, but when you just finish Spending time with God, let me tell you something. Boldness will come out and Jesus will ooze out of you. Can I hear an amen? The second thing that Jesus had is Jesus had a place of prayer. Say place. Now, let, let, let me just explain that. The Bible said he went to a solitary what? Place. So for Jesus, he not only had a consistent time, but he also had a solitary place And that place could be multiple for you. But what I'm challenging you is have a consistent place that's consecrated and dedicated for you to meet with the Trinity every day. That you dedicate, whether it's it's your room and then you close the door. Remember the first scripture, shut your door so there's no distractions. Get into a place where there's not, the internet is on, where the TV is not on, where, where, where where you're, the music of, Whatever is on that's not maybe glorifying the Lord. Whatever it is, get to a place that you could call that place that you meet with God. There are some people, Madeline, our, our prayer director, who's, who's uh, in her home right now watching, she has, and Waldemar, she ha- they have a separate place. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do this, but in their home, they value prayer so much that they have a room called the prayer room. And all there is there that goes on there, there's not, there's not any uh, Nintendo over there. There's not any games in that room. There's games in other places. But in that room, there's Bibles. There's, there's scriptures. There's notes. There's worship. And when you come into that place, you close and you're like, this is a place of undistraction so that I can meet with God. Come on, man. Amen. I would encourage you to find that place. And I'm not trying to be rude, but don't pray when your children are screaming and trying to say, Mommy, 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 give me that. Don't don't do that. Find a time where you either wake up earlier and find a place where there's no distraction. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. There's instruction. Now watch this. this. This blows my mind. This blows my mind. Watch me now. The disciples saw Jesus... My friend Romero, I love you, bro. The disciples saw Jesus do miracles. Walk on water. <laughs> Walk on water. If anybody, you know, if you're like me, I'd be like, yo, Jesus, teach me how to do that. I love that water walking stuff. Could you, could you teach? I mean, that was pretty cool, man. Could you teach me how to do that? I mean, I love how you cast out demons. And, and you know, the way, that you, the way that you just spit on that dude's eye and it got, like, open. Can you teach me how to do that? Uh, or, or like, you know what, man, you just, uh, one day you were just on the boat and you became invisible and you walked on water and you're like, here I am. That is some cool stuff, man. Can you show me how to do that? I would have been like that. You probably would have been too. Like, give me all the miracles. Give me, show me how to do that. 
The disciples could have asked that because they were with him 24-7. Oh, I'm feeling good right now what I'm about to say. Out of all the things that they asked Jesus to teach them, not the miracles, not the casting out demons, out of all the things, the walking on water, the raising Lazarus from the dead, all this thing they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because there was something about the connectivity of Jesus with the Father that was unlike anything that they've ever seen. Because they saw Jesus waking up and spending long hours in communion with the Father. And they said, that is the reason that he could walk on water and he could have this authority and that he could have these things. Why? Because he communes with the Father on a daily basis. Think about that, guys. The disciples could have said, show me how you did that walking through the wall deal. He said, show us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Church, can we honestly say we could say that this morning? Can we say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. And I could go even deeper, but I won't, but I'll just give you a little snippet. And then he said, okay, come here, boys. I'm going to tell you how to pray. (laughs) And I love this because to us it becomes so ritualistic. But back then, you have to understand the Old Testament back then. You don't call God Father. You call him by very austere, prestigious names like the Ancient of Days, like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like the like the 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 lily of the valley, and you and the and you and you start naming him all these titles: the Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God. Jesus said, "Okay, you want to know the secret to my power? I'm gonna tell you now. Come here, come closer. You know the God of the universe. You know the God of the uncreated God, the one who who was in the beginning and the end. You know the one that uh, it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Daniel, and the God of Moses, and the God of Elijah." That same God, come closer, now he's not just my father, he's our father. He goes, the shock that must have been in the disciples, because we, we were like, oh, we, we know that, we know that by heart, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I used to say that all the time as a Catholic boy. It's like, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be my name. I'll be eating a donut while I'll be saying that. Uh, seriously, uh, uh, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us out into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And I checked off my duty. Oh, did that, did the Lord's prayer. But do you guys realize the shock of the moment when Jesus said, the God of the universe, now you could call him Father. In other words, I'm introducing an aspect of prayer that you've never had before, and it's intimacy with the one who created the world. God is now your Father. See, a lot of us, and I could get deep in here, but because of time, I won't. I want the worship team to come up here, please. We could get Christine and the worship team to come up here. A lot of us have no problem viewing God as almighty, but some of us have a problem with viewing him as daddy. A lot of us have no problem viewing God as almighty and strong, but some of us have, don't know how to Relate to father as daddy because we never had a daddy. Oh, yeah, sure, we know he's our father, but that doesn't mean anything to you. It's just a saying to you. But when you know a revelation of Abba, of Papa, you know the word Abba in the the Aramaic is one of the most intimate words for father, and that's what he wants you to call him? Can I hear an amen this morning? Come on, say something to make me feel good. 
Now I want you to see this. The power of prayer, this is the last point I'm going to make. This is going to make you, make you excited. The power of prayer activates things or stops things according to God's will. The power of prayer is up on the screen. Activates or stops things according to God's will. Church, look at me. The more you and I pray for that crazy uncle, for that crazy brother, for that messed up sister, for that messed up child, for that messed up wayward person, they can, we continually invite them to bump continuously into the presence of God and into the grace of God. The more you cry out and pray for your family, the more they will have opportunities to bump into the grace of God everywhere they turn. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And I can imagine Imagine that a son or a daughter or your friend or your loved one or somebody that is just rebellious and watch this and oh God this is so good and they're about to they're about to do something crazy. How many are about to do something you used to do about crazy stuff? Don't act like you didn't do some crazy stuff, boy. I know you did. It's true, he did, he can tell you. When he was in the world, he did some crazy stuff. And I can imagine just when that dude is about to do some crazy stuff and, and he's about to shoot somebody up or he's about to do a drug deal or he's about to go to a place where he shouldn't go, that I can imagine, I can imagine that all of a sudden these people, when they heard about that, their mom and dad, there was a mom that dropped on their knees and began to pray. There was a mom that dropped on their knees and started crying. There was a father that began to pray. There was a pastor that began to pray. There was a brother that began to pray. And they knew the value of prayer. And all of a sudden, I can imagine the angel saying, just give us the word, Jesus. We'll go and rescue that crazy boy, that crazy person who's about to do a drug deal and get shot. Just give us the word. He goes, no, 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 not yet, not yet. Hold up, hold up. Here comes the prayers of that mama. Here comes the prayers of the dad. Here comes the prayer of that pastor. Now it's coming like incense before my throne and I have to move at the sound of their voice so now I'm asking you to go release them and I can imagine just when that dude is about to do something crazy they will be restrained by an invisible force that pulls them back into the presence of God and some of you should have been dead but your mama prayed some of you should have been in jail but your daddy prayed some of you should have been in prison, but your grandma prayed. Some of you should have been shot at that party, but somebody was on their knees saying, Lord, please open my son's eyes. Some of you should have had AIDS. Some of you should have had a sexual disease, but someone got on their knees and prayed for you. Somebody got and, and travailed on your behalf, and you're alive. I remember one of my friends, some of my friends, their family here that told me one time, they said, PG, we did some crazy stuff. Then they looked at me and said, but my mom prayed. But my mom kept praying for me. And there was a time that I heard that this, this family tell me that there was bullets flying. And they didn't get hit. In the midst of a, of a, of a scene, they were in the midst of a shootout. And they didn't get touched. You know why? Because they would hear mama praying every morning. They would hear. They would hear somebody get on their knees and say, have mercy on my son. Have mercy on my child. And you see the angels of the Lord come and encamp those who fear him. And the prodigal sons were protected because of prayer. I'm here to tell you, 
the Bible says that Elijah was, it was just as us. But you know this weapon, hallelujah, the Bible says though we walk in the flesh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty indeed for the pulling down of strongholds. You know what that, do you know what that is? The weapons of our warfare is not an axe, it's not a sword, it's not some, some physical thing. It is prayer and intercession for God because God moves at the sound of your voice. You say, oh, I don't, I don't believe that. Look, look at me, guys. Look at this. Look at with, with me really quick. Because Jesus not only, listen, not only do there's power in other people praying for you. Oh, I got good news for you. Do you know that the main office and the main description of Jesus and the main job description of Jesus right now in heaven, you know what it is? He ever lives to intercede for you and I. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, put it up there real quick. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. I feel the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 23. Hebrews 7, verse 23. Look at this. Look at this. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. I don't know if it's going to be up there. But anyways, it says, He ever lives. Jesus, our high priest, He ever lives to intercede for us. So guess what? Not only do you have Papa praying for you, not only do you have Mama praying for you, you have the son of the living God saying, Father, look at this person. Look at George. Look at Donnie. Protect them. I pray for them. What is it to have Jesus himself pray for you? He did that with Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, the devil has come to sift you as wheat. Watch this. But I have prayed for you. Oh. Look at Luke chapter 22. Can we put that up there, Zach? Luke chapter 22. If not, you could just go on your tablet. Look at verse 31. says this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan, say Satan, say Satan, has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Not I just did some good ministry stuff. Not good fellowship activities. It's not I'm just believing you or I'm thinking about you. Look, look, look. I thank you when you think about me, but I don't want you to think about me. I want you to pray for me. Hey, you're in my thoughts. Praise God, but I don't want you just to be in your thoughts. I want you to, I want to be in your prayers because prayers is what's going to change things, not thoughts. You pray to the God of heaven. He goes, but I have prayed. What? Are you kidding me? Jesus prayed for Peter. I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And guess what? Even though he denied him, he returned back. There is power in prayer. We think that people in the Bible are supernatural people, but they were just normal people like me and you. I said they're normal people like me and you, but they had a supernatural instrument that they adopted. There were normal people. Look at look, two more scriptures and I'm going to let you go. Are you getting something this morning? You want to know the power of prayer? Watch this. It's gonna, it's gonna, I'm going to use scriptures so you won't think I'm just doing something to just cheer you up. The Bible says Elijah was a norm, a very hu normal human being. But yet he prayed, and watch this, it wasn't just a headache that left. He prayed earnestly, the Bible says, and for three and a half years he said, Lord, let it not rain. And the Bible says he was very normal, but he prayed earnestly, and it stopped raining. I want you to look at he, I'm sorry, James chapter 5, verse 13. Whatever we could do to get that on the screen, let's get that. If not, just read it in your Bibles or go with me. In, in the NLT, it says this, verse 13. Are you there? Are you there? Are any of you suffering hardship? Oh, I love this. This almost sounds, <laughs> you should pray. 
It says it. Are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such prayers offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, it will be forgiven you. Watch this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. Now watch this. Look at it in your Bibles because the screen is not working, but look in your Bible. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. And produces wonderful results. Watch this. Elijah was just as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me? We can't even pray. We can't even believe God for, for our, uh, an, a, an, an AC problem to get fixed. He believed that it would not rain for three and a half years. And because he prayed earnestly, what does the Bible say? It said, and it did not rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again. I'm reading word for word from the scriptures. He prayed again, and the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield crops. My friends, I want you to turn to someone today and say this after me. And I'm going to close with one scripture. Then we're going to pray. Say, God moves at the sound of my voice. I'm going to say that again because you're not excited. Say, God moves at the sound of my voice, not just the pastor's voice. Come on, say it. Not just the pastor's voice, not just the leader's voice, not just the anointed voice. He moves at the sound of my voice through prayer. He moves at the sound of my voice. So if he moves at the sound of our voice, why aren't you saying anything? If he moves at the sound of your voice, why are you silent? If he moves at the sound of your voice, let me tell you something. I want to break this little thing that I feel in the spirit right now. Prayer is not for a select few people who are intercessors. I'm going to take giant steps because I like that one. Woo! Because the fivefold ministry, are you ready for a revelation? What's the fivefold ministry? Let's see if you guys know your Bibles. Fivefold ministry. He's called some to be what? Apostles, some prophets. Some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Where does it say some intercessors? Because if it was, then it would only be for some. If intercessors were only part of that, then intercession will only be for some. He's called some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors. Not all are going to be pastors. Not all are going to be evangelists. Not all are going to be teachers. But all of us, whether you're a businessman, a pastor, a layperson, an usher, a children's worker, are all called to prayer and intercession. This is, prayer is not for a select people who have just burdens of prayer. Prayer is not just a good idea. It's the very fabric of your soul. Last scripture, are you ready? Daniel chapter 10. You look it up on your screen or... If Gus could help, I don't know, I'm sure if Gus is here, someone could, uh, maybe he's helping back there. Watch this. We're, I'm closing with this. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 and 3, and then I'm going to go from 10 and 13. This is the last thing I'm going to say, then we're going to pray. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Are you ready? A backdrop story, Daniel was fasting and praying because he knew that the time was coming that the prince of Persia was, was, was going to be removed and, and that he was going to get out of Babylonian captivity 
of 70 years. So he knew in the spiritual time clock, he said, wait, Jeremiah prophesied that 70 years we will be in bondage, the children of Israel, that after 70 years, there's a prophecy given that the children of Israel be, be free. Now watch what Daniel did. Watch this. You're going to shout now at me. Daniel 10 verse 2 said, oh, I love this. I'm going to run, but I'm not... In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. In other words, he was fasting. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three weeks were fulfilled. Suddenly, say suddenly, a hand touched me and made me tremble on my knees and on the palm of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved. This is the angel of the Lord. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have been sent to you. The angel said, I'm here because I've been sent to you. Now watch this. While he was speaking this word to me, Daniel, I stood trembling. Then the angel said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, say the first day. Come on, say the first day. From the first day day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself to God. Your words, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Are you kidding me? That should have had like a rousing ovation. The angel of heaven was standing and he's saying, hey, I came from heaven and I was chilling in the presence of God and suddenly the Father dispatched me to you because of your words. There must be something that you're saying that summoned me from heaven to you. He said, I have come because of your words, not because of somebody else. It's because you got on your knees and you prayed and it loosed the angelic activity for the whole Israel. Now watch, it says, but the prince of king of Persia which stood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, for I had been alone with the kings of Persia. Let me tell you this, my friends. The angel of God came from heaven because Daniel opened up his word, his mouth and said, Lord, come and start delivering Israel, start delivering my family, start delivering my tribe, start delivering my friends. And when his words came out, the Bible says the angel of the Lord was dispatched and there was victory that day. Let me tell you something. If you want victory in your family, you need to resurrect your prayer life. You need to open up your mouth and begin to declare that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you say, devil, you are not going to have my brother anymore. Come on. You're not going to have my uncle anymore. You're not going to have my mother anymore. Open, instead of complaining and crying, open up your mouth because he will come at the sound of your words. Come on, stand up with me. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.